Hello and welcome to Hop. This is Hiscox Ireland Insurance Podcast, where we make the world of insurance easier to understand and navigate for both brokers and customers alike. We'll be keeping you up to date with the industry trends and latest news from inside Hiscox HQ here in Dublin. My name is Kieran O'Reilly. I'll be your host, playing the role of the layman, you might say. But the voices you hear to listen to are my guests today from Hiscox Ireland. It's David Gallagher, head of business development, and on the broker side, it's a first welcome to Kieran Fitzgerald from O'Leary Insurance. Kieran, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dave. No problem, Good Kieran. Stuff. Happy to have you. Dave, welcome back for episode two. It's been a while. We're going to be getting Kieran to give us some insights on the ever-growing world of fintech insurance a little later, but we're going to start off by going back in time a little to the launch of Hiscox Ireland's online portal, fondly known to many of you by now as Hop. It's just about 18 months since Hop was launched, and with some changes due in the near future, we thought it was worth doing a little digging into the platform that has changed how so many brokers do their business, and a platform that has saved so many business hours. David, you were part of the launch in March 2021. Can you tell me how this Hiscox baby was conceived and how far it's come in the time since? No problem, Kieran. I think touching on that before and what I'm kind of why we launched it before hop we were connected to the uk and we're still part of the hiscox uk branch and we had a different online platform which was called hiscox trader and to be fair trader for the most part was a good system but when brexit happened obviously we had to move away from that uk business into the hiscox europe business unit and we realized two things firstly performance of hiscox trader began to deteriorate and secondly as this was a uk connected system our ability to build on it and improve it and increase our product offering on it was was quite limited and any kind of requests that we had would generally go to the bottom of the Hiscox UK pile because obviously we left the business unit. So with this in mind, we decided to launch our own new and improved system, which is obviously called Hop. So we identified an IT provider who would help us build a system to our preferred requirements where possible. And then we chose one of our strategic partner brokers kind of get involved in the pilot and the testing of the system before we launched it. And that was really one, identify any issues that may have came up and then also provide feedback on the look and feel of the system and how the journey kind of ran through from the initial information entering to the full quote, the binds solution and an issue in the documents and that was really good it was a massive benefit of us how we shaped hop to get ready for the launch which we did in march 2021 often when these things have been built it seems inevitable afterwards but was it a big undertaking at the outset and has it changed a lot of how brokers will do their work and how quickly they can get stuff done from our point of view, I think it definitely helps us from servicing our broker partners a lot easier and a lot quicker. I think going through that system and, and going through the build with our partner broker as well, who piloted it, we identified a lot of issues that we thought were fine. But obviously, mm-hmm. once, once the broker was going through that journey, they flagged them and we worked alongside them to get to the place that we were to get it ready for the launch. But there was definitely a few areas that we needed to improve on. I think now, even still, there's probably areas that we're looking to improve Hop, even though we're 18 months down the line from the launch. There's still areas that we're not quite happy with and we kind of want to improve going forward to, again, improve that journey for our customers and ultimately the end clients, which is the broker's clients. A lot of what we hear from brokers is about how quick and streamlined this makes the process and that you can get a wide range of covers on one policy. Is that a a game changer compared to what it might have been about if we go back five years ago? How much quicker and easier does it make life for a broker who's trying to bind a few different policies together? The initial benefit of Hoppe as the broker is the speed and efficiency of it. Ultimately, the speed of which we're able to turn around the quote prospect or client is the huge benefit. At the point of contact from a client, either by the phone or by email, we're able to kind of gauge the, the work activities, the size of the firm, the cover requirement based on the headline information that we receive. 95% of the time, I feel confident that we're able to turn around the quote within minutes. 5% of the time, you'd be looking at risks that are not so straightforward. We might need to provide some additional information. 
which then kind of goes through a referral process. And that's kind of maybe something that Dave w- was uh, discussing earlier on. I think Hiscox have done a great job of actually allocating a team that deals with these referral processes, the queries that may come in. And, and more often than not, we're, we're getting a quick response from the underwriters once it goes into the referral process. So the, the speed is still there when it has to go to an underwriter. But if you compare that to the traditional method of actually getting a quotation, historically, we've completed a, a fully completed proposal form, which may be 12 to 14 pages in length. So it can be a little bit daunting for a client. Ultimately, the speed of which we're able to turn around the quote, plus it's less daunting for the clients to actually complete the form. So ultimately, it's a win-win for for us as the brokers, for the client, and also Hiscox as the underwriters. David, can you give us a list of what you're currently capable of binding on HOP and what are the ideas for evolving it and bringing some new lines of insurance on, on board? No problem, Kieran. I think I think since we launched it, what's been available has been professional indemnity, cyber, employer's liability, public liability, a small bit of property with the contents and business interruption mm-hmm. cover, and then management liability was added on six, seven months ago. Uh, so that's the kind of current capabilities. And it's safe to say the dominant products that are sold are always professional indemnity and cyber. Professional indemnity probably makes up about 45% of the products sold on it. And then cyber takes up the extra 20% bring up to 65% total and I think cyber in particular as well it's probably a good one you can do standalone cyber on that and again it's pretty cheap pretty straightforward just meet the statement of fact and you have your indication there which is great for the likes of Kieran if he has a client on the phone he can do it over the phone that's the current product offering I think now we want to build out on it and like I said we couldn't do that on the old system so the next next one in the pipeline is events business this is where you have your event organizer or you have an event that you're attending you need public liability or employer's liability so that's currently in the final stages of testing probably going to look to launch that in November December this year fingers crossed we are looking to build in a little bit of cancellation cover there as well without referral again so if the okay. event cancelled for a variety of reasons there's cover there now obviously we will probably keep that limit a bit small because cancellation business can be quite volatile so we're going to mm-hmm. keep that quite small and that's probably the next one in line after that, we're probably going to touch on our art and private client books. So the small high net worth household product. So it's a bit more simple to add on. Not the big ticket high net worth household, but mm-hmm. certainly not me, who certainly won't classify as high net worth household leader, unfortunately. <laughs> that kind of got kind of middle tier probably isn't catered for, but we're going to look to add that on eventually as well. And then following on from that, a bit further down the line, we'll probably look to add on medical malpractice. That's a little bit trickier to add because it's a little bit harder to underwrite. Just new products and treatments being created every day. We just need to make sure clauses stack up, etc. But it's just a little bit harder to underwrite. But that's probably product down the line we probably look to launch as well. You're going to be covering a lot of bases there. Is there anything that requires the more human touch that just will never, ever be on up? Traditional PI, I think it's probably a hard one for us. Like we write traditional PI. So that's like your architects, your construction, your big construction companies, your yeah. insurance brokers we would never be comfortable putting that on hop i think whilst we do like design construct we're not going to be writing all sorts of design so we're still quite selective in what we write there and again with the environment and the potential knock-on effects of the economic climate i don't think we're going to be writing big ticket dnc and design construct on hop i just think they don't think that's possible i think that will always require a full proposal form, a full traded relationship with the broker as well, asking questions, etc., back and forth. You'll always need the golf course. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and just to just to put Kieran out of business for a little minute now, um, is there ever 
a future we see where hop is something that I as an individual would go on to or will it always remain something that's monitored by the broker or mediated by a broker in between the end consumer and the insurance company? Robots aren't taking it. Kieran's quaking in his boots yeah. here. No, I, I think that's that you're really talking about is that direct proposition here in Ireland. I think from a Hiscox point of view, the UK have a pretty, pretty big direct arm where it's direct to consumer. I think there's two things. One, we need to investigate the kind of potential there. Is it, is it viable? Is it, is it scalable? Ireland compared to the UK is a massive scale issue there. If you're looking at commercial companies in Ireland that probably fit within our appetite, does it make sense to go direct? We're not sure yet, but we haven't properly investigated it. So that's something to look into for the future. But I think Kieran's safe for another few years. You're the first external guest we've had, Kieran. So thanks for joining us. Uh, you've been with O'Leary since 2018, and I think you have a particular focus on PI, cyber insurance, and also a bit of bespoke insurance solutions for fintech and tech. Can you give us a little rundown on your own career insurance and how you got into the role and what makes it something that you're happy to get up in the morning and, and get stuck into? I've been with O'Leary Insurance since 2018. Me as a broker, my, my particular focus is on professional indemnity, cyber liability and other financial lines products. Kind of what goes with that is obviously property and liability placements. As you said, I do have a keen focus on fintech and technology companies. I suppose over the last year, year and a half, I've been kind of looking into the fintech space, kind of leading that team out from the Dublin office. In terms of what gets me up in the morning to, to, to work as a broker, I think I come from a sporting background, so I'm quite competitive. I like the cut and trust of being a broker, being in between the, you know, the clients and the underwriters. First and foremost, getting the, the best deal for the clients, trying to negotiate rates with the underwriters. And ultimately trying to grow my clients and book a business. So that's kind of mm -hmm. why I'd like to get up in the morning. What, what excites me in the industry is more specifically in, in, I suppose, in the fintech sector. I've been doing a lot of research over the last kind of year, year and a half in terms of the, I suppose, the sector itself. What I've identified is around 250 clients that could be classified as a fintech company. You know, it's a bit of a buzzword. I probably, you've probably seen it on various yeah. different articles online or in the newspaper recently. But really what the, the ecosystem is made up of is credit and lending companies or platforms, crowdfunding, peer-to-peer -peer platforms, trading apps, saving and investing apps, payment processing companies, challenger banks, which would be the likes of, you know, a Revolut and insure tech companies, and then compliance and regulation technology companies. So that's kind of what I've seen based on kind of my research over the last year, year and a half. There is other sectors that would include blockchain companies or cryptocurrency companies, which would be a bit more exotic in the insurance side. <laughs> and myself, obviously, O'Leary's and Hiscox have tried to partner together over the last uh, year and a half, placing fintech risks uh, with Hiscox. So we've had some success. We're going through the process of figuring out what is the specific appetite for mm. Hiscox in this sector, but we're going in the right direction. Hopefully, we'll have more wins over the coming years. Technology has upended so many industries across the world, but a lot of people probably thought the old banking institutions, the, the legacy banks that have been around for centuries in many cases, would remain somewhat untouched or 
consolidate their position, even when there was a, a tech revolution. Some of the companies that have popped up and the challenger banks and the payment process and companies now that can embed it into an app and cut out the big financial in- institutions. Is it, is it something that surprised you at all? Or does it make perfect sense that this is what's going to happen when tech is becoming so pervasive and we've so much power in our pockets? Yeah, I think, like you said there, the, the power of having the mobile phone and being able to access you know online funds within seconds is obviously a huge benefit. But I think we're all a consumer of, of fintech products specifically over the last three to three to five years i think everybody has a mobile bank everyone probably has revolution and then obviously going back to the other sectors that we're talking about a lot of these companies that i've mentioned that kind of makes up the ecosystems basically providing a service to financial services people within that sector that's enabling their business making it a little bit faster to do business or enabling them to focus on other areas that they might not be able to focus on based on cutting edge technology that they're providing these companies. I think it's always a good sign when you've become a verb. It used to be I'll Google that and now it's I'll revolute you. Um, I think that's always a good sign, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, In terms of challenger banks trying to weigh up the risk of something like crowdfunding or the more exotic stuff, David, if I'm looking at crypto and how volatile that's been. If a company comes along and is in that area, you might be tempted to run away. Do you you see a time when that is something that's of interest and that you'd have the appetite to to deal with these kind of companies that are kind of high risk, high reward? Do I see a a time when Hiscox might be comfortable with that? I'm not. I'm not sure, Kieran. I think, as as Kieran alluded to, we, whilst we've even partnered with Leary's in, in this sector for probably the last twelve to eighteen months, and it has been a slow process to get to where we are, and, and that's because tech is our sweet spot, our forefront of what we offer. Mm-hmm. We've launched our eight new technology world and keeping up the trends. FinTech is new, but I suppose we realize that we have to expand our appetite in tech to kind of really grow because we have probably a fair market share of tech that we want in Ireland, mm-hmm. for example. Whilst we're entering it with a bit of caution, that's the best way we have to do it, where we probably have to underwrite every risk individually. We can't really take a portfolio approach because the technology is so new as well. But as we might think we know the exposures, realistically, there could be exposures we haven't even thought about. And yeah. that's probably why we've probably kind of n- tried to nail down the appetite with Kieran. It's taken us a while to get there. We're looking at that B2B initially sector as opposed to bit direct to consumer because I suppose once we get comfortable with that kind of B2B, we may then look at in time, we might go, do you know what? B2B runs really well. We got more comfort there. We've good experience in this sector. Let's potentially look at B2C in certain elements and pockets of that fintech space mm-hmm. as opposed to going straight in for a cryptocurrency or the likes of a Revolut, which will obviously be mass market B2C, which that goes wrong. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be sitting here still, to be fair. So, uh, <laughs> When I see or hear of the companies that are popping up like Klarna, the other embedded finance companies, the, the companies that allow you to buy now, pay later with a single click on an app or on a website or even companies involved in the crypto scene there's so many things changing so quickly how would you pose the question to insurance company to underwrite these industries how risky is it and how much do you think it takes a lot of bravery on on the side of an insurance company to underwrite these there's a lot of unknown unknowns out there yeah there is i suppose your initial question how do i how do i get the underwriters to consider these cases unfortunately i don't make those decisions for them it's sometimes we try to twist dave's arm to (laughs) go into sectors that you know we might have a good connection with or we've been working on a case for quite some time. The really important thing to really focus on in this sector is understanding what insurance companies want in terms of information, documentation, and proposal forms. My job as the broker, if I am coming to Hiscox with a client that I feel like within their risk appetite, is it's really important that I'm coming to them with the correct information and data. What the insurers would really 
like to see for me as the broker is examples of their investor deck, their sales deck. You know, mm. these would be particularly important for firms that would have went through rounds of funding. They've done a series A and they might be going to a series B. Really important that I can provide that to insurers that it's really going to show an aerial view of what they're really involved in and what product they're trying to sell their customers. What goes with that is business plans, being able to show what their projections are for the next couple of years. They might be a startup, but a lot of these companies in this space have a huge appetite grow. So it's really important to show what they're projecting year two, year three, year four, year five, because ultimately when you're going to an insurance company, the goal is obviously to get these companies from incubation so we can partner with me as the broker, but also to partner with Hiscox and we all grow together. Other elements that they will look at is management accounts, financials, really important to show the CVs of the key personnel, showing background information of who's ultimately funding these guys, where's the money coming from? That's something that I've found both in Ireland with Hiscox or other insurance companies is really providing them with enough substance that the underwriters can make their own judgment based on the risk associated with the company. I actually had a startup a few years ago, a tech startup, but it was a very small company working in sports and social. And we didn't really need to, in the early couple of years, go for insurance. If I was a startup in the fintech area, what are the main covers that I'd be looking for? What are the biggest threats? It's not one size fits all for all of these tech companies. Ultimately, you do see a range of covers that's appropriate for the different sectors. Professional indemnity, very important, you know, be covering your errors and emissions and negligence for the service that you're providing to your customers. You're looking at other covers such as intellectual property would help you because sometimes within the professional enemy policy, there's elements of the PI that would be picked up under intellectual property. I don't want to bore you or put you to sleep here with <laughs> what's covered or what's not covered within a, an insurance policy. But then you can look at the likes of a management liability policy, which would cover your directors and officers. Hugely important, particularly for firms that are raising funds and they would have directors and non-executive directors that would technically be part of the company, but they're just providing the funds. So they're technically involved within the firm if there was a claim to arise. Like you said, cyber crime, hugely important. Obviously, it depends on the nature of activities that they're doing. Not all tech companies have the same cyber risk, but it is mm-hmm. important. Property employers, public and products liability, a lot of that can be picked up under an office policy. What I have seen, and going back to your question, if you're a startup looking for insurance, I've started with uh, startup companies where we provide them with an office policy, which ultimately gets them started with their insurance journey in terms of covering their contents, or if they own the building, covering the building, some insured. You look at, you know, obviously covering your employer's liability, public and products. And after that, obviously it depends on their contracts. It depends, I suppose, the pace of which they're growing. One of the most important things to consider is contracts. If you're a fintech company looking to grow your business, you're ultimately going to tender for contracts. You're going to enter into contracts with other businesses. And a lot of the time they're going to have insurance requirements. And within these insurance requirements, they could ask you to have professional indemnity for, say, uh, I'll just pull a number, a 5 million limit of indemnity, or they could ask for a cyber policy with a 5 million limit of indemnity or a management liability policy. And issues that I have seen is when fintech companies go from that incubation stage to where they've already raised funds and they're already at that stage where they're either multinational or, like you said, a unicorn type of company, 
And it can be difficult to get cover at that stage of their cycle growing the business. So ideally trying to trying to partner with these companies from an early stage helps as the broker helps with the underwriters that they're do you agree, Dave? Yeah. When you know, once the company is you're familiar with the company from the outset. Yeah, I'd echo that point from Kira. I think a lot of these kind of startups in the incubation hub, they probably feel like they don't need insurance, but without doubt, the change has shifted in, in contractual requirements that all these companies will require professional indemnity. They will all require cyber liability as well. It's, it's just a matter of time. Sure. They're going to have yeah. to buy it. They may not want to, but ultimately, if they want to be involved in these contracts, start working alongside the clients they want to work with, they're going to have to buy insurance because every company is putting this contractual requirement into their contracts. Realistically, if you're a startup negotiating with a bigger client, you're going to have to sign up to their contract terms and conditions, not your own. So they're going to have to buy these five million limits of indemnity as Kieran touched on. And it's just it's just going to happen. It's inevitable. And that's the way it's going to go going forward. I, I, I like the way you said nobody wants to. I mean, I don't want to pay car insurance either, but I yeah. suppose I have to. Um, <laughs> and insurance I had an incident. Is a grudge purchase. It always is. To be the, fair. The, the grudgiest of purchase. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> not try and make it sound any sexier than it is. Yeah, Although I did have an accident with my car about two months ago, so I'm quite thankful for it in the long term. There you um, go. We're, all, we're always there. We're always there. You're always there to help out. In terms of the fintech trends, even something I'll, I'll throw at both of you since you're you're both looking into this market, Kieran obviously working in it a lot more frequently. Is there any particular trends that are popping out at you? You know, doing a little research of my own. I'm coming across the embedded finance as being one of the trend solutions over the past year. So you've got banks looking to become service providers to non-banks and non-financial institutions. Is that something that's popping up in Ireland or what have you spotted coming out as trends? Just in terms of the sheer mass of clients that are either starting up here, we're seeing more companies start up in Ireland and that's either by way of cheaper tax or Ireland is now the only English speaking European company. And obviously, as a result of Brexit, so we're seeing more and more companies in this space that are have, that have their Joining. head office yeah. in Dublin or Cork or wherever it may be across Ireland. But in terms of trends, are we seeing more? We're definitely seeing more credit and lending platforms. We're definitely seeing more challenger banks. But I'm not going to say I'm an expert on compliance and regulation with the central bank and stuff. I think that's for a different podcast, not for today. <laughs> but we're definitely seeing a huge amount of more clients in Ireland, starting up in Ireland or moving their headquarters into into the capital. I think following off that as well, what, what we're seeing as well, and we've probably seen a few from Kieran, is a lot of these companies kind of get involved with insurance companies as well. So they're providing software to the likes of Hiscox, et cetera, or some of our competitors. And, and that's where they're involved in either just pure data collection or they're then getting involved in that kind of quote and buy engines or just data collection and coming back with an AI to help insurance companies come up with the kind of rate and view a portfolio of business. So we're seeing a lot of them Going in true as well. Both of you will be out of a job in a few years, basically, is what I'm getting here. Eventually, hopefully, eventually. We can all be a podcast host now. We can't all be a podcast host, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, I was going to suggest that this is quarter four of the year and we should probably look back on other trends that are out there, David. I mean, I think when we were doing the first episode of the podcast, we were talking about companies coming back into the office, some with hybrid working options, some with two or three days a week, some fully at home. I'm still working pretty much entirely from the other bedroom known as the office. Have you seen 
any continued trends or any change of office space being being let aside or being sublet? Is there anything different? Because you would have a lot of clients that are kind of in the property space. From our point of view, I think we're we're still pretty set on where we're at. So we're we're doing the kind of two days a week in three at home. You probably have one set day in the office. So each team might have a Wednesday or a Thursday as their set day, and then there's a flexibility around their other one day if they want to come in the Monday. God help them. Be my choice. <laughs> They're more than welcome to come in the Monday. But yeah, that kind of two days is what we're looking at. Do I think we'll go more than as a requirement? No. I think if we're looking at the recruitment action as well, about mm-hmm. trying to recruit staff and attract talent to your business as well, I think ultimately you have to have a good hybrid proposition to attract staff to your business as well. So no one probably wants to go back to work in five days in the office, let's be honest. If you're trying to recruit people and you're demanding people to come in five days, it's it's not going to work. You're not going to get that person. There's sure. going to be someone offering that two or three days in the office to a home or whatever that, that may be. So Kieran, you probably have a view from the broker world about what you guys are doing, but that's what we're doing in Hiscox anyway. Me personally, I, I actually I go into the office on Monday to Friday. I like getting up in the morning and going into the office. I think the last two years has been particularly difficult, obviously, with COVID. And I hope you don't mind me maybe taking this back to hop. We've been in a hard market cycle. We've had COVID-19. People working from home, it can be difficult to get quotes turned around. There's a lot of traffic in the market, but I think hop has alleviated a lot of pressure from me as a broker, but also I hopefully for the underwriters too, because we're ultimately able to get the quotations within minutes. It's ultimately helping our relationships between the broker and, and Hiscox and I think Dave said it earlier on, we've become strategic partners mm-hmm. in this process. I think something like Hop has helped us, you know, with all the work from home changes. People are two days in the office, three days at home or whatever it may be. But having this sort of system has allowed us to do business a little bit easier than it has been over the last two to three years with the changes in the working environment. When we launched it, there was absolutely some teething issues. There still is and there's still areas that we want to improve on. But in terms of how it's done since it's been launched, we've delivered over 800 grand in terms of a role in 12 months in, in GWP, which would we have gotten to that if Hop wasn't there? I don't know. Probably not. And the speed of service that we would have given to our brokers probably wouldn't have been at the level where it is. So it's been a massive benefit to us. It helps us get to a lot of the smaller stuff that we probably wouldn't normally be able to quote and turn around the same at the time frame. So from that point of view, it's been a big success. This was planned before COVID. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, just timed it well. We did time it well. We timed the launch probably a little bit late, yeah, but it was fine. Went well. Yeah, product of its time. In terms of other clients that you might have, and talking about that kind of recruitment element and insurance trends, do you see other office space being left bare in the coming years? Uh, it's kind of startling how quickly we've changed an entire tradition that society has where we get up and go into the office and it's it's literally been flipped in a couple of years. It's, it's almost impossible to think of trying to intentionally make that change in people's habits, but it's happened very quickly. Do you see it persisting? Do you see any changes in terms of the size of office space that's there in Dublin that's been covered by insurance? If I look at where we are on Sir John Rogers' Key, there's a lot of brand new buildings there, a lot of brand new office space. And as you walk by them, you can see a lot of them are quite vacant or very few people in. Do I think companies will look to reduce their office spend and an office size? I suppose that's a very much a company specific question, what they want to do. I think from us, from our point of view, we're happy where we are. We have a good space of flexibility in terms of the amount of desks we have. Days that we are in, we probably run out of the space from a meeting room point of view. So we've actually gone and got two pods ordered for mm-hmm. um, individual meeting rooms to kind of cater for that. I suppose it's very much a, a company specific question. Like I know you guys are probably going to be on the lookout. I, I would envision us probably moving to a new office soon, hopefully somewhere in the city center where it's easy to trade and be able to meet clients and kind of get into Hiscox office within 10 minutes. 
David, I know you've got a few opportunities for people to come and join the Hiscox team there in Dublin. There's Give us an idea about what kind of roles are there and what kind of people you'd like to find and what they might find in, in the office with you guys in Dublin? I think we've probably got three current open vacancies in, in the Dublin office. One is in the new business team, which is the team I'm responsible for. I think with that team, I think Kieran probably testify, it's a very young team, it's a very vibrant team. And it's a team that has a good bit of energy about them and they like meeting people, they like meeting the brokers, they like meeting clients where available. And like they just like having a bit of fun whilst doing it. And that's the team that probably enjoy being in the office a good bit more because mm-hmm. there's that kind of team dynamic and team banter that we have there so we're looking to grow that team by one head and we actually have a sign off for next year as well to get an extra head count into that team as well and they're the ones also just going back to hop that are responsible for the hop referrals and the whole referral process so they handle all the hop queries that are going forward we've then got two on the renewals team so the existing business team which is kind of headed up by keith o'connor and they handle the bulk of our portfolio so the kind of mid-range renewals to a, to a certain premium threshold you get like a really good technical base and understanding of the various products products we do was during that role. It's probably more desk focused than the out and out new business underwriters. They wouldn't be out meeting people as much as possible, although they're more than welcome to as well. But they get a really good sense of a good learning curve of, of how Hiscox operate as well in that existing business team. And again, we've probably more headcount signed off for, for 2023 in that space as well. And there's also the opportunity to pop over to Lisbon now and again? It's an added benefit. Yeah, absolutely. So we have some of our underwriting team in, in Lisbon. Um, it's an absolutely cracking office. It's it's nice to get a trip over to Lisbon a couple of times a year. You can obviously tie on your weekends, etc. But we have a really great team over in Lisbon as well, both from the underwriting aspect, the admin team, and also our operations team is based in Lisbon. Um, and again, our operations team were, were critical in terms of the delivery and ongoing development of HOP as well. They've been a massive part of that as well. So I can't thank them enough. Yeah, you get that trip to Lisbon, which is always nice. The story is to get in there quickly before the robots take over and get a few years working in insurance anyhow. Exactly, exactly. Okay, David and Kieran. Kieran, thanks for joining us at the first external guest on the show hope you enjoyed it thank you for having me hopefully i'll be invited back if not i won't take it personally (laughs) (laughs) we'll have a chat myself and david listen that's great stuff lads thanks for cruising through that episode um we've a host of other topics on the whiteboard for upcoming shows we'll be looking at ensuring fine art and life at the cutting edge of a startup if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at hoppodcast at hiscox.com for any questions about today's topics or, or if you'd like to get in touch with us to consider being a guest on a future episode so thanks david and kieran and we'll talk to you again cheers Karen. thanks Bill thanks guys